This is Speak the Speech, the podcast from Bell Shakespeare. Bell Shakespeare would like to acknowledge that this episode was recorded and produced on the lands of the Gadigal and Wongal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of this land, and we pay our respects to their elders, past and present. Ah, oh, sir, content you. I follow him to serve my turn upon him. We cannot all be masters, nor all masters cannot be truly followed. You shall mark many a duteous and knee-crooking knave that, doting on his own obsequious bondage, wears out his time, much like his master's ass, for naught but provender, and when he's old, cashiered. Whip me such honest knaves. Others there are who, trimmed in forms and visages of duty, keep yet their hearts attending on themselves, and throwing but shows of service on their lords, do well thrive by them, and when they have lined their coats, do themselves homage. These fellows have some soul. And such a one do I profess myself. <laughs> For, sir, it is as sure as you are Rodrigo, were I the more I would not be Iago. In following him I follow but myself. Heaven is my judge, not I, for love and duty, but seeming so, for my peculiar end. For when my outward action doth demonstrate the native act and figure of my heart, in compliment extern, tis not long after, but I will wear my heart upon my sleeve for doors to peck at. I am not what I am. Welcome to Speak the Speech, the podcast from Bell Shakespeare. I'm your host, James Evans, and that was Iago from the first scene of Othello read by our guest this week. He is an award-winning actor who's appeared in dozens of theatre productions across Australia, most recently Outdated at the Ensemble and Photograph 51 at the MTC. For Bell Shakespeare, he's appeared in King Lear, Romeo and Juliet and Henry IV, and he played Iago in the 2016 National Tour of Othello. His other theatre highlights include 1984 for the State Theatre Company of South Australia, playing the lead role in Sammy in Paradise for Belvoir, and touring to Paris, London and Vienna with Gross and Klein for the Sydney Theatre Company. On screen, he recently featured in Total Control and Diary of an Uber Driver on the ABC. It is my great pleasure to welcome Yalan Ozicelic. Yalan, welcome to Speak the Speech. Thank you, Jimmy. It's uh, the pleasure's all mine, actually. It, it thanks is, for having me on. It's lovely to have you here and to hear you uh, dive back into Iago. Have you looked much at Iago over the last five years since since you played the role? <sighs> Not much, really, to no? be honest. No? Yes. Um, does, does 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 it infect you? Do you have to to to, to shake it off? After divest you play this myself role? Of, yeah. the, <laughs> of the villainy. Yeah. Um, actually, to be honest, it was quite quite a. Uh, a reasonably sized tour that we did back yeah. then, mm. and uh, I have to say, I, I don't normally feel this when I when I do do shows, but uh, coming to the end of that tour, I did breathe a big sigh of relief. Yeah. It's a quite mm-hmm. quite a uh, it's quite. I mean, a very he's a misogynist. He's a very it's a very dark, dark character yeah. really, and to sort of live with that over a period of months was um, mm. was uh, sometimes quite draining. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting, and and a lot of. Um, 
talk around the industry at the moment about actors preserving themselves and the mental health of actors when they get into roles and de-rolling and that sort of thing. Do, do you have any specific things that you do to, to shake off a character at the end of the night? Not really. I don't really, to be honest. I, I don't. Um, I guess I'm not one of those actors that f- necessarily feels particularly um, th- th- needing to do do yeah. that mm-hmm. uh, uh, in in general. Yeah. Uh, other than perhaps coming off feeling exhausted, <laughs> kind of needing a yeah. needing some rest or a sleep, a big glass of water or something. But I. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, thankfully I'm I. I uh, yeah. I can leave it behind yeah, pretty easily. So. That's that's well, that's good. Fair <laughs> enough, especially in a, a character like this. So so this is from the beginning of the play, um, where he's ta- he's talking to Rodrigo. Uh, tell us about the circumstances here at the beginning of the play. Why, why does he why does he give this speech? Well, I think um, you know he's toys. As you say, talking to Rodrigo about, um, I mean, this is this is his introduction, both mm. sort of to the audience uh, as mm. well. I mean, it's actually quite a fascinating beginning to a Shakespeare play. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, uh, unlike many of other Shakespeare's plays, it's quite vague. Right. We don't really get a sense of. We're not ever told the title character's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we 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 don't know what is this is a tragedy. It sort of seems more of a sort of an intrigue play of yeah. some sorts. Like we don't really know what's going on, yeah. Yeah. which is quite quite mm-hmm. rare, I suppose. Shakespeare often gets straight into it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I suppose this is sort of. Uh, uh, the introduction to the character, yeah. like I am, g- g- get ready, folks. Uh, yes. I'm I'm going to be duplicitous, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to pretend to be uh, a friend, but I'm but I'm self-serving. So he talks uh, about seeming, and yes. that's the theme that runs all the way through this play: being one thing and and acting another. And he sets this up because Iago. Nobody thinks he's a bad guy. It's honest, Iago. Oh, good, Iago. He's a good friend. He's a great bloke. Yeah, only the audience knows. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, no one else can see, except I suppose here for Rodrigo, where he's kind of laying out his philosophy here. That's true. Yeah. So, what do you make of this last one of the one of the last lines here? It's become a bit of a cliche, really. Wear your heart on your sleeve. Iago talks about wearing his heart on his sleeve. What does that mean? Yes, I think uh, he considers that uh, something only fools would do. Yes. Uh, you know, why why be so open to the world? Mm-hmm. You know, he will only if he did that. Uh, you know, birds would you know can peck peck at him. Yeah. Peck at, yeah. But I, you know, it, it sort of says a lot about his 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 view on the world too. I think of 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 people being either it's, it's a very black and white view you know mm. of either people being a, you're either a fool yes. or or you're you're the victor you right. know or the the villain victor mm-hmm. or you're either the abused or or mm. the one who abuses or the one who devours or the devoured you know yes. the, you've got to pick Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, and I think right from the beginning, at the end of that of that um, monologue, mm-hmm. he he sets out his 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 worldview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you think this has always been Iago's worldview? I mean, when you're playing the character, you're thinking of his backstory, or did he just snap one day and and just because Cassio got the promotion, was that it, or has he always been kind of like this? I think he's always been like this. I mean, I mm. think for a long time. I don't think this sort of just snap happens. I yeah. think so. This sort of builds over time in mm. the psychology of a person, mm. and I mean, you know, you can see people like this in 
day-to-day life and whenever I hear of, you know, those horrible stories of um, of dom- domestic abuse and, and mm-hmm. intimate partner violence yes. and those sorts of things, mm-hmm. I, I often think of Iago um, mm-hmm. and it's overwhelmingly men, of course, who are the abusers and mm-hmm. and there's a, a pride and a, an ego mm-hmm. uh, uh, that poisons them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I actually... Poison is such an important word in this play. Yes. He mentions later on something mm-hmm. about being poisonous minerals gnaw, gnaw, you know, at my innards, uh, gnawing yeah. at his innards, and mm. and um, and I feel like that's that's kind of been happening in, for him for a while. Yeah. In fact, there's that there's a great quote that I that resonated with me when I was um, sort of researching the role, where uh, someone said resentment is a poison that you drink uh, hoping the other person would die. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> yes, Great. Yes. Which I think yeah. really sort of mm-hmm. s- sums him up, you mm-hmm. know, so ult- ultimately he's so self-destructive. That, 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 yeah, that self-destruction resentment yeah. eat away at him. Often people historically have spoken about Iago as not having much of a motive for doing what he's doing. You can see bits of motive in here about, you know, jealous of Cassio's promotion, jealous of Othello and and the ease with which he kind of uh, commands a room, if you like. What do you think is Iago's motive, or is there none? Well, it's look, it's a question that's uh, plagued everybody for a few hundred years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and there's that famous um, Coleridge uh, quote about motiveless malignity, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it's 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 certainly a very interesting. I mean, sort of an interesting question to to consider. I I, I remember David Suchet, of course, the famous English actor, mm-hmm. talking about Iago. And addressing this point, and he he sort of mentions, he sort of says, well, we shouldn't we shouldn't think about motive. It doesn't matter the motive, right. because Amelia says at the end towards the end of the play, they are jealous because they are jealous. Right, you know yes. that yeah. that it's a monster mm-hmm. yeah. um, born on itself, mm-hmm. begot mm-hmm. upon itself. Yep. and 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 so Suchet says, well, you know, so we shouldn't we shouldn't really consider it, mm. Um, mm. but. Uh, it just is, yeah. but but of course, you know, personally, I think uh, it's interesting that Shakespeare uh, makes it vague. It's, it's very vague yeah. about yeah, it, deliberately, deliberately, yeah. I think, mm. and I think partly to leave it to the actor to sort of yeah. f- fill that in a bit. Yeah. Um, but also, I think it's vague, vague even to the character mm-hmm. Iago. Mm-hmm. I think um, there's probably other stuff going on mm. uh, for him mm. where he's um, he's not even sure sure himself yeah, why yeah. you know why he feels these strong feelings I yeah. think these these strong emotions um, ultimately drive him mm. and I so I'm jumping topics here but mm. for me playing it was I think one of the the trickier parts was finding a balance between those sort of that that strong emotion yeah. and that cool exterior, that yes. cold sort of calculating of yeah. um, Machiavellian mm-hmm. uh, character that yeah. he has. But also that friendly knockabout it's guy ad- who can exactly. just just have yeah. fun and yeah. tell j- dirty jokes and, you know, because he has to be that as well in exactly. order to, to lure people in. He's, he's got to be the, the he's charming, you mm. know, but not too charming. Mm-hmm. You know? He's got to be uh, humorous but not too humorous. Yeah. So that's sort of a nice, mm. sort of tricky to find that balance. The snake in the, uh, behind the flowers yeah. as I think one person put put it. You know, mm-hmm. he can't just be the snake. He has to find a bit of um, yeah. bit of the light and shade. Yeah. And how about the relationship with the audience? I mean, this is so 
such a powerful relationship. The, the way that Iago speaks to the audience with such glee about what he's doing just really brings them along on his journey like Richard III does. How was that night after night connecting with the audience, you, you being that conduit to the audience for mm. the play? Well, it's one of the best parts of the role, I mm. think, um, something that makes it extra sort of delicious mm -hmm. to play uh, and I guess puts him... Uh, ahead of Othello in some ways mm -hmm. for the audience's affections um, yeah. because he, he, unlike Othello, gets that direct address mm -hmm. to the audience. He has mm -hmm. that ability to directly connect. Mm -hmm. And so the audience form that relationship quite strongly with him yeah. from the very beginning mm -hmm. uh, because of that. Yeah. And I suppose for an audience, you know, I always wanted them to feel like they were complicit mm, yes and so mm. uh, that so that ultimately you know even laugh a bit along with him mm -hmm. at certain times mm -hmm. but ultimately feel that that complicity weigh heavily on them towards the end of the yeah, play yeah absolutely it is a, a hard play i mean everyone has a hard time in this play how do you as a cast keep yourselves together on the road how do you look after each other especially for you know ray and and liz who are playing othello yeah. and desdemona i mean it's it's awful well i mean look <clears throat> they were such two incredible actors mm -hmm. and they had such a great rapport mm -hmm. and we we all of us i mean we, it was such a beautiful team of people mm -hmm. i think and we both we all we all um were were very looked after each other well and mm -hmm. and got along famously i think yeah, right. um, mm -hmm. and uh, along with i mean some uh, you know great support from pete pete and and the rest of uh, mm -hmm. of the bell um, company who who I've found over the years working with them such such mm. such a, a supportive um, company to work for. So we you know it, it, it all of that made made touring much much easier. Mm -hmm. um, but we certainly were familiar enough with each other to to you know ask if everyone's feeling okay yes, and yep. um, mm -hmm. checking in checking and in. Uh, mm -hmm. and and particularly Ray and and um, and everyone really yeah. um, were very good at, at that. So yeah, 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 we dealt with that quite well. Yeah, it's really important, isn't it? Especially when you're dealing with something so heavy. And the mm. misogyny in this play is obviously uh, seeps into every aspect of almost every character, even Cassio, all of them. Yeah. So how was that dealt with in the rehearsal room? Did that become a central theme of your particular production? I think we, yes, we 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 didn't decide to shy away from yes. some of that difficult stuff, mm -hmm. and so Pete and I, in talking about the the role and in the performance of the role, I mm -hmm. think we sort of came to sort of creating Iago. I mean, mm -hmm. um, uh, as a in a way, uh, uh, no, not not making excuses for yeah. his misogyny, but just sort of mm -hmm. basically showing showing it. Yeah. Um, for what it was, yep. um, and I guess in the hope that people would 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 see that mm. um, and um, f f you know abhor it. Yeah. Uh, yep. So mm. uh, it's it's one of those tricky parts actually. In, I think in 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 performing and deciding to put on the show. Yeah. And, yeah. And dealing yeah. with some of those um, sort of darker you know, parts of humanity. Yeah, look, it, it is, it, it's really problematic. And I, I think it's 
debatable <laughs> one way or the other whether you should put it on, you shouldn't put it on, whether mm. you should put it on but lean into it, whether you should avoid it for a while. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I honestly actually don't know the answer to some of these questions, especially with Shakespeare's really problematic plays like this one, Merchant of Venice, Taming of the Shrew. I feel like we're in an in-between stage where we haven't quite figured out what, what is it that we want to get out of these plays? Is it worth doing them? Is the trauma of watching them worth actually yeah. uh, the, the the performance of these plays? I don't know the answer to that yet. Mm. And nor do I, but I think they, they are good questions to ask, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and change with the season too, mm-hmm. I think, in terms yeah, of no doubt. Um, mm-hmm. the zeitgeist and, and what audiences... Uh, want to see or don't want to see, yeah, yeah, uh, or be subjected to, or, or be challenged by, and yeah. uh, and that changes uh, through the years. Mm. You come back to Shakespeare often in your career. You've you've uh, performed lots of contemporary plays, but you keep coming back to Shakespeare. Why is that? I think I, you know, I love language, and I think yeah. uh, I love perhaps too much. <laughs> the sound of sure. the language yeah, and sure. and the what how it communicates mm-hmm. and what it communicates mm-hmm. in this just the speaking of it and of course he was a master at um utilizing mm-hmm. uh, all sorts of elements of language yeah. to make a point mm-hmm. to move to, mm-hmm. to you know affect yeah. his audience mm-hmm. and uh I, I love delving into that sort of stuff uh, in a detective-like fashion. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah. So the, the consonants and 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 vowel sounds mm-hmm. and and all of that stuff comes with the scan the scansion of of it and mm-hmm. um, and how that can um, uh, affect meaning. Yeah. So I, I I suppose I love that. So I just have a. Mm-hmm. <laughs> penchant for that sure. sort of thing. Um, How many languages do you speak? I speak two and a little bit, yeah. a little bit of French, and mm-hmm. I, I speak Turkish. Okay. Uh, I was um, my um, was born in Turkey and came. So you were born in in Turkey and moved to Australia. How old were you when you moved? I was to- five and a half. Okay, okay. So I've been here most of my yeah. life. But you grew up speaking Turkish at home. I did. Yeah, both my both my parents. Mm. What was what's your your family's reaction to Shakespeare? Is it something that was that is of interest to the family? Is there a, a tradition of Shakespeare in Turkey at all? Yes, actually, and I mean in a um, translated yeah. versions, of course, mm-hmm. very very popular and often performed. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. And both my parents were very sort of avid theatre goers, oh, right. so okay. they yeah. were very supportive of um, of both my. Uh, my entry into this mm-hmm. profession, but uh, uh, also my work with Shakespeare. So mm. they, they, yeah, they were very supportive, and had gone to see shows mm. back in Turkey in their youth and, um, yeah. and growing up. Have you so have you ever seen Shakespeare in a non English language? You know, I have yeah. and I resent it. No, oh, not no, I'll tell you what I resent. What no, that, that came out wrong. <laughs> I resent no, I don't resent that. <laughs> I resent that I can't do it like that. Okay. Because <laughs> what I love about it mm. is the freedom they have. Yeah. Because I'm now having just said that I love the language. Yeah. Um what the freedom they have when they throw that all that the rules of Shakespeare yeah, and the yeah. language out yeah. is amazing to mm-hmm, watch. Mm-hmm. And I have seen quite a few 
um, of, you know, shows in different languages, Turkish mm. and others. And, uh, yes, they have this freedom. And that means they can explore uh, explore character yeah. and roles mm. in, in, a, in, a, in a much different way than yeah. we can or sure. people who speak English performing in English can. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I feel not resentful, jealous. I do feel mm. jealous of that yeah. because it's, um, I guess, the, real, the, real, the challenge of Shakespeare mm. is to marry the, the requirements, the exigencies of the language mm-hmm. with... A, a, a rich inner life yes. and character. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's essentially what you're going for when you perform Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. You want it to be real. You want it to be affecting. Mm. But at the same time, you have to speak the language. Yes, yes. And so what a delicious challenge mm. and, and one that I love, of course. Mm. And um, But I always feel maybe I also feel like they're cheating a bit when they do it in a different language <laughs> because they get to perform in any way they want. Right. Yeah. But even but even just hearing the sounds of the language uh, um, in, a, in a different language, we had Hazem Shamus on this program not too long ago and he did a bit of a speech in Arabic. Um, my mum's from Iran. She's Persian. And so I, um, uh, I, I speak that language, and and uh, I once had an assistant director who, who gave me a version of Julius Caesar in Farsi, and <laughs> uh, and and just hear just hearing it and speaking it in a different language, just just um, detaches. Um, detaches the intellectual side yes. of having to analyze it and just purely invests you with that visceral feeling of sound. Yes, I yeah. agree. It's it's and, beautiful. And there's just something so powerful about that. I, I've seen multilingual Shakespeare as well, where they kind of switch between English yeah. and another language, and you don't miss a beat. It, you, no. you follow every moment anyway. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's 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 beautiful to watch. You're listening to Speak the Speech, the podcast from Bell Shakespeare. I'm James Evans, and my guest today, Yarlan Ozicelic. Yarlan, do you remember uh, when you first encountered Shakespeare? I think my earliest memory would probably have to be in high school in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I grew, grew up in Hobart, actually, yeah. and I'm sure I saw some great Shakespeare there, although, oh, no, I did. No, I remember now. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course. Uh, um now, what was it called? Um, Zutango, or um, you'll, some, some of your listeners might might know of some uh-huh. of those uh, early companies in Hobart. Yeah. But they, uh, one of them, put on uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, at um, a theatre in Salamanca, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I just, that was so funny, mm-hmm. and I just loved it. It was yeah. colourful. Mm-hmm. And then I have a memory when I was a bit older, when I was um, in my final years up in Brisbane mm. watching a production of Hamlet mm. um, and and uh, and really sort of loving it. Did yeah. you have good teachers? I did. You know, I think I was really lucky. Mm. I did have great teachers in high school. Um, Sue Lawson yep. uh, was my uh, drama teacher. Mm. Um, she was an amazing woman. She is an amazing woman. I think she, she went on to um, work on and improve the syllabus and mm, uh, mm. I think as far as I know still sort of yeah. um, doing great stuff up there and uh, I yeah I I so they were very inspiring yeah, yeah. it's yeah. so it's so crucial it's so important and I think a good teacher can either it can inspire kids to to love Shakespeare and to see the joy in it, or a bad teacher can just <laughs> yes. make it seem like the absolute biggest chore and the worst thing in the world. So, I mean, it's it's such a crucial position for them to be in. 
You uh, went to drama school. Is that the first time you, you left Brisbane? Yeah. Uh, After high school? Yes, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. properly. Yeah. yeah. So you went down to Sydney. I did. To, went to NIDA. Yes, came, came down. And then, uh, you know, straight into it, straight into a career i got to say, you're one of those actors who is always doing something. You're, you're always <laughs> in work. You're always um, busy. It seems like you're always doing a show. But it's not an easy life. It's not easy, is it, no. for a freelance actor? No actor would say that. And I know that recently you've started to take on a new challenge. Can you tell us about that? Yes, of course. So <clears throat> uh, I, after much sort of uh, thinking and and uh, soul searching. Yeah. Uh, I, I, have a, I have a young family, and so the need to support them and take care mm. of them becomes a, a paramount concern. Yeah. And the 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 thing with acting is it's very precarious and uh, unstable. Yeah. And um, so I was looking around for things to do, and I eventually settled on doing a, a pharmacy course. So right. I'm currently studying pharmacy. Yep. So yep. Uh, I um, hope to finish that in a few years. And so it's a very, very different, obviously. Are you going to quit acting? Are you going to not act anymore? No, no. I'm, I, I don't think that thrill of acting will ever leave me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I hope to, to always sort of come back to it yeah. if I can. Um, but this is a way of providing some level of stability, mm. I think. Um, um, it's, it's, it's what I've decided on anyway. We'll see how I go. But yeah. I no, I don't think – I think I'd love to continue acting in some capacity. Mm-hmm. But um, this is something I feel like I can sustainably do yes. um, mentally yeah. um, because uh, – without feeling depressed. <laughs> so <clears throat> because I, I sort of have a love of I'm, – I I lo- I'm a very curious person naturally, I think. I love mm-hmm. – the sciences and I love yeah. them at school, mm-hmm. and so even the content that I'm studying now is is fa- fascinating. Mm-hmm. I really love it. Okay. It's just the trick is finding enough time in amongst yes. being a, a father and all being sorts a dad of things. Too. But yeah. yeah, but I I'm loving it. Um, and of course, I mean, so I, you could you could you, actually it was Dan Spielman who your listeners would know mm-hmm. from some of his work with Bell, of course, playing yeah. the the role in the Scottish play yeah. and. Um, yeah. And and others, of course. Uh, he, when I told him that I was, this is what was the course of study I was embarking on. He mm. was the one that first said, "Ah, you're becoming an apothecary." <laughs> and so, uh, so I feel like there's some connection there's to Shakespeare. A Shakespeare there. connection. And perhaps that role might be in in my future. Who knows? That would be <laughs> amazing. I'd love to see you as the apothecary. Just um, just don't sell anyone any poison in real life. That that, yes. that would be good. I just wonder what is it that. What is it that the Australian industry could do to stop actors from, you know, I'm not saying having to find other work because, you know, this is something that you're you're interested in, but I've just heard over the last few years a number of actors who've shifted their focus to, to non-theatre and, and mm. non-film and TV related work. Uh, and I just wonder what could we do in this country that could kind of reverse that or stem that tide? Mm. Yes, I mean, it's a million dollar question, isn't it? I I think if we had an easy answer, maybe it would or maybe the answer is easy, but but but, but, the will, but politics but the, yeah, and the, politi- the pol- policy yeah, makers. That's right. Know, the will uh, isn't there. And I'm sure, yeah. you know, in Europe, because in Europe, I know they have um, standing ensembles of artists yes. who work all year round on yeah. development and creating work that, you know, that lasts for years and years. Yeah. 
and I just wish we could find a way yes, to, to oh, create that feel here as well. I think, you know, that requires investment of money yeah. and um, and any sort of money spent on the arts, unfortunately, in Australia seems to become a, a political hot potato issue. Right. Mm. And um, so uh, it's a tricky one. And, and of course, with COVID, you know, hitting, yes. that obviously mm. sent everyone in, in a spin and particularly in our industry where it sort of became impossible to actually do any, do the work yeah. because yeah. of isolation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it hit people hard, I think. And, um, uh, and so, yes, we saw pivoting going on, uh, all over the place. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, a lot of your Shakespeare roles have been really memorable. You've played Mercutio a few times. You played Oswald in King Lear, uh, opposite John Bell, which, which was super exciting. And also in Henry the Fourth, you played like three different characters in that epic big production where John played Falstaff. Yes. What was that experience like? John John just in his element uh, completely doing the full clown yes. and you as poins <laughs> opposite him. What, what was that experience like? Oh look fantastic. I was a great again such a great cast mm. uh, brought together and um, wonderful to see John do that. I as you say worked with him on King Lear mm-hmm. um, in a very different role, so to see him don that fat suit and uh, <laughs> and uh, um, rosy up his cheeks uh, mm-hmm. That's for, right. with inebriation, you know, yeah. um, was 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 a real treat. Yeah, and and playing points with those, I just remember those f- fabulous salmon coloured jeans that I wore. Amazing. Was, yeah. I loved. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, really, really great. Um, and, and and lots of uh, a couple of other sort of minor roles yeah. uh, in it. You played you played um, Feeble in that. Now no one That's knows right. who Feeble is, yeah. but I, I love this character because he's kind of like he's he's trying to be Hamlet. He, they say to him, <laughs> pay a bribe to get out of serving in the army, and he stands up honourably and he says, no, if I'm marked to die, I'll die this year, yeah. and he, you know if I if I die this year, I'm quit for the next. Now he's kind of like, let be. What what will come will come. It's exa- yes, exactly Amazing right. character. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I mean. I love those sorts of characters that, and we, we were talking um, just sort of briefly in preparation for for this for this chat, Jimmy, about uh, as you like it, the character mm-hmm. of Silvius yes, in that, and I feel yes. like there's there's some uh, resonances be- between them in that way, mm-hmm. in that both are sort of clowns, both are mm-hmm. uh, a certain type, you know, yeah. and but both kind of break free or yes. try attempt to break free of yeah. that yeah. of of their type mm. and mm. uh and i think it's such fun for an audience and yeah. such sort of a shock an unexpected shock to, yeah. to yeah. hear that sort of stuff spoken from their mouths and with Sylvius, of course he 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 has that great moment yeah give it, us the lines he gets very poetic oh, at gosh, the end i mean yeah. i i wish yeah. i had them i don't i don't yeah. have them there you go. oh there it is yeah fantastic <laughs> thanks um it is and he and he says so. It's sort of the setup is important. Is that he's he's in a um, uh, there's lots of love. Well, not triangles, but well, oct- octagons. Octagons. Sure. <laughs> uh, and uh, he he loves uh, Phoebe, um, and but she doesn't sort of show the love towards him but mm-hmm. um they they all get together and they start sort of saying well i love you yeah, i love you but no yeah but i love you and i love you mm. and in amongst this sort of great moment of comedy mm. uh 
he Phoebe Phoebe turns to him and says, "Tell tell this tell this person what it is to love." Mm-hmm. And out of his mouth come these words. It is to be all made of fantasy, all made of passion and all made of wishes, all adoration, duty and observance, all humbleness, all patience and impatience, all purity, all trial, all observance. And so am I for Phoebe. Beautiful. I, I, extraordinary that Shakespeare gives him the language of love. Yeah. This very simple character, yes. and he suddenly knows he he know because he's felt it. He knows what love is. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And mm. it's and uh, as as we're saying, it's it's an unexpected moment of pure beauty mm-hmm. coming out mm. of this. What is ostensibly a, a sort of a foolish clown yeah, character, you yeah, know? yeah. Um, and Shakespeare just does that so so mm. beautifully. You know, you've had some amazing um, theatre experiences, and perhaps for me, I don't know for you, but for me, one of the most amazing things I hear about for you is going to Paris and Vienna <laughs> and performing in Gross and Klein with Kate Blanchett. What was that experience like, being in Europe and doing theatre there? Well, quite surreal, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, those. Those, unfortunately, perhaps it should be said, those those sorts of opportunities for Australian actors are very rare. Sure, sure. So it was a it was a real pleasure, mm. uh, and also to be in some of those theatres yeah. too, in old theatres, um, established theatres over there, mm. um, and performing for. I mean, probably the the thing that that jumps out at me most mm. was the audiences, right? Because they were very savvy mm. and their response after a show mm. was was massive uh, in wow. that yeah. I mean of course we had Kate mm. in the show um, but you know the the, the rounds we, we had multiple rounds right. everywhere we went right. I think that you know the the least amount was was four okay. you know curtain <laughs> yeah. calls yeah wow yeah uh, well and, that doesn't happen in Australia does it and it's, no it it's doesn't. like well you, yeah. that's yeah. enough clapping yeah. for you yeah. thank yeah. you yeah, that's right yeah can we push two Do you reckon <laughs> we can make two <laughs> quick right. go on go on you know but there like that you know and I think the most I think we probably I think Kate pushed ten at one point you're kidding me <laughs> it was like one of the last shows we did and we sort of came off but it was that that sort of amazing that that sort of thing is incredible and very yeah. you know a unique experience mm, for me mm. uh and and just to be in that part of the world and mm, and, mm. and and performing and, yeah, yeah. So. was it a really fast paced tour did you get a chance to see the city and and, and go and be a tourist? I, it was pretty fast paced but mm. i felt like there was there was some time to to sort of have a little look around yeah. and yeah, yeah it wasn't so bad yeah performing in paris so well, that's yeah. certainly on my bucket list that's amazing yes Yalan, it's been so great to talk to you today. Thanks for being so generous um, with oh, me pleasure. today. Just before we go, we've got the final five. Yes. Here we go. Five quick answers to my questions. Number one, do you prefer the lover, the villain, or the fool? Oh, <laughs> you know, I think I have to say the fool with yeah. this because I okay. think it sits more naturally with my personality. Right, uh, right. Um, yes, yeah, definitely, I think, the okay. fool. Yeah. What's your most underrated Shakespeare play? You know, I really love Love's Labour's Lost. Okay. It was one of my first, the first shows I was in. Mm-hmm. I played the King of Navarre. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, I think, you know, it was an early play of Shakespeare's. Mm-hmm. But it's but in, just such a, uh, incredibly funny, I think, mm-hmm. if done well. And it, it, it uses a lot of wordplay. 
And so perhaps because of that, uh, it, it, it's not performed as much because it sort of relies a little bit, certain bits on that. Yeah. But actually there's some incredible moments in it. Um, two jump out. One, th- this moment where all three men who are, you know, secretly vying for their respective women mm. uh, without telling the, each other, right. uh, one by one jump out from the bushes and, mm. and, and, aha, caught you, you're not supposed to be doing <laughs> yeah, that. And then yeah. one another person, aha, caught you, yeah. you're not supposed to... And it's this incredible oh, scene. Fun. It's sort of unique in Shakespeare. And the other moment is, is a beautiful moment at the towards the end, where the princess of France, just in in the, at the height of the of this farce that's mm. going on around them, a messenger comes in mm. and within the space of one line says, "My lady, your the king, your father is dead. Mm. You must come mm. back mm. to France." Mm. And in that one line, it turns from being a comedy to almost a tragedy. And it's such a remarkable moment, I Mm -hmm. think, Uh, because suddenly the the, the play then sort of goes into a much more subdued sort of end yes uh, which is yeah. sort of uncommon for, for mm. its comedies mm-hmm. and but but um but a, a remark i think just such a remarkable moment i always think of the, the, the great late great bill brown billy brown mm. <clears throat> he um he came to see the play and he spoke to us afterwards and held court wow. as he as sure. he used to in such an amazing way yeah and uh he spoke uh, with such eloquence about the play he'd mm. performed it at the chichester festival and he had played the part I had played, oh, so wow. that immediately made me a little bit. <laughs> um, but he he spoke of, and I'd love to see this in a production, but of 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 a moment in that <clears throat> of that moment mm. when she hears that, the reason why it's so amazing is that in that moment she becomes queen. Yeah. Yeah, right. And that mm. everyone, and then the rest of the play mm. revolves around her, mm-hmm. and that she is still. Mm. You know yeah. that she is a queen in mourning, right. and then the rest of the play is, is like <laughs> so. I keep hitting the microphone. Is a is a is is a sort of a whirlwind of 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 an ending around her. But I I just love that image of and he spoke he spoke beautifully, of course, Billy, of, with with images and of music, mm-hmm. um, and so I always yeah, remember a lot that of beautiful music and yes. to be had in that yeah. play as well. Yalan, who's your favourite artist you'd love to work with who you haven't worked with yet? You know, I'd, I'd, I have to say Pamela Rabe. Okay. And I'm, yes. I'm cheating here because I did work at, um, work with her on Photograph 51 uh-huh. in a, in a direct, actor-director oh, yeah, relationship. Oh, yeah, she was directing it. Yeah. And, uh, and I've obviously admired her work for a long time. She's, um, I, as a student in second year, we worked with the Actors Company, the Sydney Theatre oh, yeah. Company, yep. doing The Lost Echo. The Lost Barry, Echo, Barry Kosky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she was amazing in that. Um a great moment of, of anyway, I won't go into it, but a, a fantastic, fantastic moments in mm. that play. But um, I, I had, I'd seen, I saw and worked with her, albeit fleetingly there. Mm. But um, she was amazing to work with as a director. Mm. Um, such a, such sort of poise and, and grace and, and fun mm-hmm. and, um, uh, strength and um i'd love to i'd love to work with her sounds good hey what is your dream shakespeare role that you'd love to play you haven't played yet so i always feel like (laughs) in answering this question i always feel like i want to play uh roles that are older Okay. So I, keep, mm-hmm. I have in mind, like, for example, King Lear. Oh, okay. Be a, so that's a great on your list. Role, you yep. know, okay. to play. <laughs> uh, 
I feel like I have to find a balance with that because mm. you sort of have to be old enough to play it, yeah. but then yeah. you have to have enough energy uh, to to yeah. survive tricky, the play. Yeah, that's um, right. The emotional stuff at the end, as mm. well as the physical stuff throughout. Yeah. I mean, it's quite a so watching John do that was quite quite um, um, you know inspiring. Yeah. Um, but it's an amazing part, and I'd mm-hmm. love to sort of play that at some okay. point. Okay, we'll definitely the, see you as Leah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I would say if I had to give an, uh, uh, another one, um, and this is going back to The Fool, I would say Don Armado okay. in Love's Labour's Lost, Labors, yeah. who yeah. is a sort of a Don Quixote-like mm-hmm. uh, character. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching every night through the curtains uh, when I was off stage watching Eugene Gilfeder, oh, um, beautiful, beautiful actor, perform Don Armado. It's such an amazing sort of Spanish kind mm. of amazing thing. I mm. think I would love to perform that at some point. And finally, if you weren't in the performing arts or becoming an apothecary, <laughs> what else would you be doing? Oh, no, you sprung this on me now because <laughs> I was going to say apothecary. I know you were. Um, <laughs> Oh, that's a tough one, uh, and I, I, it's difficult to answer because I seriously thought so long and hard about mm. what to do, and I came up and with that's apothecary. That's why you chose apothecary. <laughs> <laughs> so. Great, Yalan. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much um, for joining me today on Speak the Speech. Thanks, Jimmy. Bell Shakespeare is Australia's national Shakespeare company. We perform in theatres and schools in every state and territory. If you'd like to support our work or to learn more about what we do, please visit bellshakespeare.com.au. Speak the Speech is produced by Bell Shakespeare and edited by Camillo Zanoni. Be sure to follow at Bell Shakespeare on social media and don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the Speak the Speech podcast through your listening platform.